irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. <coughs> Forgive me for coughing through the show today. I am getting over the flu and <coughs> am just struggling a little bit in that area. However, it doesn't interrupt the show or, or keep progress from going on. You are able to reach out to me through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. And from my website, you're able to schedule individual sessions to meet with me in person or remotely. You are able to inquire about being a guest on this show. You're able to listen to archived episodes subscribe via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, and I invite you to support my show through the crowdfunding campaign I have with Patreon. There is a link at NOLA Therapy. Additionally, the the link itself, the website itself, is patreon.com forward slash Lisa Tahir, all one word. And today's show is sponsored by Audible. They offer over (coughs) 180,000 book titles to choose from and as my listener they give you a free month with a free audiobook download and to select that you just go to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy okay my guest today i'm really excited to reconnect with her we met at pilchuck glass school years ago <laughs> and in moments, we're going to be with Kate Rhodes. If you're at a computer, please pull up her website so you can see her exquisite blown glass forms and installations. The website is katerhodes.com, and it's spelled K-A-I-T-R-H-O-A-D-S.com. Kate is known for her glass forms and installations that reflect the natural environment. They're an homage to the landscape and seascape that we find in our natural world and embody organic growth, diatoms, crystalline structures, coral, feathers, foliage, and we're going to talk to her about these, these inspirations. And I find that they hold aesthetic reverence of the perfection that is naturally found in our natural world. Kate has taught, lectured, exhibited, been commissioned, and had residencies worldwide at places that include the Corning Museum of Glass, the Tacoma Museum of Glass, the Shanghai Museum of Glass, the Seattle Art Museum. She's in the Chihuly Collections. She's staff and instructor at Pratt Fine Arts Center, faculty in fact. She's taught at Pilchuck Glass School, Penland School of Crafts, Urban Glass, Toyama Institute of Glass, the University of Hawaii, the Toledo Museum of Art. She received a Fulbright scholarship to study sculpture in Italy, and she's published nationally and internationally in publications that include Glass Quarterly Magazine, (coughs) Thank you, Ronan. (coughs) Glass Magazine, New Glass Review, and the Glass Art Society. Thank you. The studio just brought me some cough drops and Kleenex, which I greatly appreciate. Welcome, Kate. Hi, Lisa. It's so nice to connect with you in this way. So nice to reconnect with you. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Hanging out in my studio, waiting for my ankle to heal and uh, keeping my cat company. You sustained an injury visiting your family in Florida. Is that correct? When you landscape, you should wear appropriate clothing, is all (laughs) I have to say to people. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. (laughs) It's it's my own fault, that's for sure. Accidents happen. But uh, I'm sure your kitty cat's happy. I'm so happy to be here today, yes. Me too. So I'm curious where to even start. You have so many accomplishments. You have 
taught, lectured, demonstrated your and worldwide collections. I'm curious where you'd like to start today. Well, I guess I'm interested maybe in, uh, with my work lately, I've been uh, practicing with glass for uh, a little over 25 years. Is that correct? I started in 90, so that would be, yeah, so like seven, 27 years, or 28, I guess, but this wow. year. But um, uh, I really love glass as a medium, and I am so lucky that I encountered it in my life. But I, I think, uh, like almost anyone else in the world, like the thing that you love to do sometimes is challenging, mm-hmm. and that's true for me as well. But um, just over the years, with the perspective I have now, I see how important my childhood was. Mm-hmm. And my father loved sailing, so I grew up in the Bahamas and Virgin Islands living on a boat. And From age five I and a half the, to 12, right? A long yeah, time. Yeah, six to 12. So okay. that's like a good, six, a good six years on the boat. I mean, one year we were living on land, but... Um, the years that we spent exploring exotic places and traveling a lot were just amazing to experience as a child. I didn't know, uh, I didn't take it for granted. I, I got what a great opportunity to spend so much time in the water, on the water, around the water, and um, just that perspective of being, uh, existing by the sufferance of nature to a certain extent. Like if we were in a bad storm, I was young enough to depend, to have faith in my parents Mm -hmm. and not be afraid because they were always there. But you do get that sense of um, fragility of the human kind. (laughs) And when you're on a boat and there's no land in sight, you definitely feel the wonder and the majesty of nature. And to have that experience growing up, I think, was so important for me. Did you ever and, feel... Um, it, really, it really influences almost all my work at yeah. this point. Did you ever feel I resistance think. living on the boat, living in the way you did, different from others that you knew? Or, or did others live like you on a boat? And was there a community? Uh, there was more of a community when we moved to St. Thomas and we spent, uh, three or four, three or four years living there and going to school on land for three years. And so that made more of a community and I got a best friend and that was super exciting. But before that, and also traveling, there was a high dependence on, uh, like books for fun. If we weren't at a place we could get off the boat, uh, uh, close quarters mm-hmm. for the family. Mm-hmm. So a lot of um, people on on top of each other, or in each other's space quite a bit. So uh, I find that I am both an introvert and an extrovert. I don't know if that's the cause of it, but I need time to recharge by myself, but I love being around people too. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Very. I would say, and the, the family dynamics were pretty strong since we were uh, alone with each other and dependent on each other for, for a good long time. Yeah. But uh, I, feel, I feel fortunate. I never was taken camping as a child. But you have to think that I lived in the boat is sort of like a camper, I mm-hmm. guess, if you're on the water. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that I was in, in contact with nature every day. I could go to sleep hearing the water on the sides of the boat and uh and eat food straight out of the water it's just amazing and such a beautiful time for that area um which i'm sure was much more prolific and gorgeous 50 years before the 70s when i was there but since then there have been bacterial blights that have happened in the bahamas and just the you know uh human traffic kind of kills off areas of underwater life and i i would rather not return to the areas that i visited as a child to see that i think 
I'm imagining they're preserved in your memory in, in a beautiful way that you'd like to preserve. Well, and also, I since I started being on the boat maybe from the age of five or so, because my dad trained us up a little bit before we moved on to the boat. I think there was, so there's this time of, of even like pre-verbalization that I spent in nature, and I think it just plugged in some something really incredible inside of me that as an art maker I didn't tap into for a really long time, but um, now that I've progressed this far it's just it's just coming out more and more i can't i can't help it from appearing in my artwork right and left so you've been hitting on some themes that i wanted to ask you about and when i was researching for us to be speaking today i was thinking in my head kate you know what why glass for her and i came across an an article where you were talking about glass mimicking the qualities of color and light that surrounded you in the sky above and in the water below. And I wondered if you could tell us more about that and transition into your work. I posted pictures online. I don't know if listeners have pulled up kateroads.com, but just how that powerful influence is found in your artwork today. I started out um, as a painter before I knew about glass. And I always loved, uh, either portraiture or abstract work, which is kind of funny. They're not exactly the same. But um, I've spent a lot of time trying to paint the quality of light going into the water. And when you're in the water, light, as it comes through the water and, and refracts on the sand underneath, or just how light travels through water, or that I think I just love glass because it it's able to embody water to a certain extent. Like the, the way that the glass captures the light and refracts the light, there's, there's a lot of similarities to it. And, the fluidity and I think that kind of, of interest is more, I, I really tried to experiment with installations to, to find that kind of quality. And it, it's super exciting. But when I was young, I was very, very ambitious. And um, I'm still storing and carrying around the houses that I did make at that time in the 90s, I guess, mid-90s, mid-late 90s. And and so I try to focus my ambition um, on, uh, or at this point, I guess you could say, uh, with my work, I've been... uh, just starting to do some public art in the last couple years. And right now I'm working on a permanent piece and it seems like the larger scale work is a little bit of a warm-up or something like that mm-hmm. something that's commissioned or something that's going to have a permanent place that I don't have to take care of it all the time <laughs> is this the the commission for the glass jellyfish sculpture for the Pacific Seas Aquarium in Tacoma that, that's correct yes yeah I posted um, that video last, year, last night on my social media yeah. it's exquisite I thought that was great. Yeah, it's a really fantastic project. And it's come out of a lot of things. But, um, I mean, with my work, if you look at it in a historical way, I, I when I came to Glass, it was an art school, and I really fell in love with it. And I experimented with so many different things, and we had a very um, sculpture-centric department. Mm-hmm. But Glass, is what it is and it's uh, I love I love the tradition and history of glass too and specifically Italian because that's that's my main influence and and my Fulbright you know I I went to study glass there or it says sculpture because that's what I had to say but um, uh, uh, studying glass or the history of glass and glass design in Italy was was very very important I love utilitarian I love I love the techniques that go into beautiful utilitarian work and using those techniques to make sculpture is super fun too. Um, But with my work, I've gone through starting out doing sculpture and utilitarian 
and I continue to do so, even though I work a little bit less and less in the hot shop um, as I get older and a little bit less able to lift heavy things mm-hmm. as time goes by. Right. Because it's tough. To, it's tough to be in the hot shop. But it's hard um, and heavy work. But I still mm-hmm. don't. I have not lost my desire to work with glass. Um, it's still so fascinating. But when I was young, I was in the hot shop all the time. So many years. And I think the sculpture also grows from a place where I don't want to be in the hot shop. And I don't want to work with a team of people. I want to be by myself. And I want to have time with the work to spend infusing it with something different than Mm -hmm. just the seven hours that you have in the hot shop or the one hour or the two and a half hour piece or the not every day you can spend six hours on a, on a piece in the hot shop. It's, it's very special when you get to do that kind of thing. So the long range planning became, has become more and more intriguing to me. And uh, I like that a lot. So now that I'm in a position where I'm working with public art, um, I'm trying to utilize all my good knowledge and experience of being in the hot shop and working with fantastic people to try to make my ideas come to life in a large scale manner. Yeah, I hear that you're going uh, through a progression with your work from when you were at, at RISD getting your BFA, then your MFA at Alfred, and it sounds like just a real transition and, and process that's reflecting who you are as you grow as a woman and in your career and the work reflecting those yeah. shifts and changes. Well, and I think as you make artwork, you slowly, you learn how to make artwork and then you start peeling back. I mean, it depends what your artwork's about, but for me, so much of it has been self-referential um, and that if you can peel the layers back on yourself to see what's truly in there, then you can communicate better or you become a better sculptor by endeavoring to uh, expose your truth or, or mm-hmm. reveal what's inside of you. And uh, since I moved away from being on the boat and in the water when I was young, 12, and I went to high school, I lived in, I lived in concrete places, boarding school for four years and then college for, um, eight years after that. So that's like 12 years living, living in houses and on the land, um, usually not far from the water and then moving to the Pacific Northwest and, Mm -hmm. you know, still not having the opportunity. And I, and I haven't given myself that opportunity really to be close to the, close to the, to nature in the same way that I was when I was a child. Mm -hmm. But noticing that all this sort of reverence for the natural world keeps coming out of my work, I've been trying to, um, I've been trying to get close to the nature in this area a different way by, I've been volunteering at the Seattle Aquarium, uh, usually one day a week for the past four years, I guess, uh, yeah, a little over four years now. And that has really helped to reinvigorate my work, my my love of um, like sort of marine biology is starting to uh, come out. Uh, that was the only other job uh, or study that I ever wanted to do other than the arts was marine biology, which I never followed through with. But but now I have that that desire. Um, and I'm spending time with scientists and with re- like uh, local animals, local plants and animals, because I'm head over heels for kelp and seaweed. I never experienced seaweed the way that it comes here in the Northwest. And it's just really incredible. Um, just so incredible. You know, Kate, I, I venture but, uh, to say that you are working with marine biology from a different access point in the way in, in even doing the large jellyfish for the aquarium. And there are naturalists and doc, marine biologists coming in while you're working on the pieces and, and talking about it. So I think you have successfully incorporated that into oh, yeah. your work as an artist, which I is beautiful. I just feel like I've 
scratch the surface. There's huh. so much more to come. And my experience at the aquarium has also, because our mission is um, ocean ecology mm-hmm. at the aquarium, mm-hmm. and our as volunteers we speak we speak to people about ocean ecology every day, and uh, well, once a week for four hours. But uh, that has sort of drilled into me this you know, this, this need to communicate with people about my, to show how my connection to nature has enriched my life or enriched my knowledge and also made me sensitive to, uh, sensitive to the needs of the ocean or how humans interact, how humans interact with the ocean. And we're, it's interesting because they teach us techniques that are used in museums as well. Museum um, docents, when they communicate with people, it's all about trying to reach people and trying to touch touch a compassionate nerve with people so that they feel an, atten- an attachment or a connection to the water and that they would, in turn, with that connection, uh, feel the need to preserve or help protect our environment to a certain extent. And yes. um, it's great because that really aligns with my, my core belief, which I think has been developing for many years, but just that, um, and of course I'm not a vegetarian uh, or I can't be right now, but I, I'd like to be, but just the, that there is the hierarchy that we have set up on the earth where you know, humans have dominion over <laughs> over everything because we have larger brains and, and, you know, rightfully we're set above the beasts and things like mm-hmm. that. It's, it's, you know, we're learning more and more that that's just not true. Like right. the systems that are in place work really great with nature. The more we muck about with them, the more damage we do. And um, I don't know, just it would be great for more people in our country and the world to realize um, that sort of interconnectedness or interwoven, how our lives are interwoven with the lives of our, with the life of our planet. And that means, you know, the lives of the animals in the ocean and the animals on the land and microorganisms as well, you know, megafauna to microfauna. It's just, we're all so connected. And so with my artwork, I'm really trying to communicate that in a way that, um, you know, isn't so preachy, but uh, I love making beautiful objects, Mm -hmm. but I also want a message to be in there as well. And uh, without it being too heavy handed, I guess. Well, and I think you answered one of the things I thought to, to ask you about are the themes of preservation and conservation of natural resources as themes in your work. And you just spoke about that, how it is something that is so important to you and that is, is a mission that you have to expose and educate. And that's why I thought in the introduction and homage to nature in, in the ways you embody that in your forms, in your glass forms and structures. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I have never been able to stop that sort of underwater imagery from coming out in my work. And, and I think it, it really has to do with, a lot of it has to do with being a woman and growing up in our society uh, the way that most women do. And that's with, you know, being having some abuse here or there in your life, right. a little bit here, a little bit there. And I had a pretty good chunk when I was super young. So um, it kind of forms the way that you see the world to a certain extent. Yes. And so I had a hard time expressing that verbally or communicating that to, you know, anyone in my family or, you know, there's a dearth of, of understanding and help for young women in our culture who have that happen to them, which is about everyone. (laughs) Yeah, not everyone, thank God, but a lot of them. So with my work, I really the underwater experience helped me to at least communicate that sort of disembodied feeling you feel once you've become disconnected from your body, you know, 
uh, disassociation is the word for it. And I think that theme has sort of stayed a constant with my work in the pattern, the sort of OG or peacock pattern or the way that seaweed seaweed flows. When I used to dive, my mother was a dive master when I was young. So I was, uh, I was um, certified when I was 10 years old, but I started diving when I was nine. And I just remember being underwater and being able to see there's so much sea life that reacts to the tide or the current. You know, it was, it was easy to see when there was a force and a reaction happening underwater. And I think that that kind of spoke to me in a unique way that stuck with me and that I can use as sort of a, I don't really talk about the abuse that much to, uh, to people or groups or schools. And maybe with all that's happening in our country these days, that will be easier for me in the future moving forward. But, But just that sort of expression of that feeling has driven a lot of my work over the years because you can't, it's not easy to express that. And in our, in our society, you don't find a lot of support for expressing such things. Oftentimes, so oh, that's changing and that's changing a lot. You know, you, you're a therapist, you know that. Yes. So. Yeah, I think oftentimes, like you said, it's hard to find the verbalization of, of one's experience of abuse and then who to say it to and how, and it, it's hard to even hold in your own consciousness. So I like when you said when you were diving, um, and I'm a diver as well, just underwater, a ripple, you really see on the ocean floor movement and how it's, it's yeah. kind of sent out across the sand, um, the the seaweed moving, the just everything it's like a symphony going on down there and so i was going to ask oh you yeah about personal... all the animals yeah. affected by it and you have to watch it in case it's going out or in it could be dangerous if it's too fast and like there's a lot that could be said for the movement of water sort of like wind i guess but i mean we usually it's much more important if you're in the water i mean there's life or death situations there yes yes <laughs> yeah and so, so, and I, yeah, growing up around the Caribbean and, and, uh, and Florida and the Bahamas, it's a big shelf. So you've, you've, I, I even heard you in your podcast from, uh, Karen Willenbrink, where you were talking to Karen Willenbrink, you were talking about being in Florida on your surfboard and there was the shark. Like yes. I know I, I grew up around that safe, shallow water. Okay. But, Spending time out here on the West Coast, I've spent time in Indonesia. So I've gotten, uh, I, I teach yoga. I have for the last 10 years. I, I got certified in Bali where it was super treacherous. It's so deep. You know, you have to be careful. I'm so fortunate to be able to spend a semester um, filling in sabbatical role at University of Hawaii. And they're also like, it's not a, a plateau. It's like very deep water. So when I was younger, I feel like I was in these idyllic situations where my parents were watching me. I was safe. And now as an adult, I spent time around these other places where the water is very dangerous. And it's different. And that people, it's, yeah, it's different. It's different. Yeah. I surfed in I Bali think. as well. And I had a hard time. It was really different. Um, and then out here in California, I know I heard in one of your um, interviews that you went surfing with Aileen Christofferson in Santa Cruz <laughs> and and just floating around on the board. That's what I do now, Kate. If you ever want to come surfing, I just paddle out and like to sit out there and occasionally a seal oh, pops man. up just to be zen, just to be in the water with the floating up and down over the waves. I just find a lot of peace just, and connection that's there. That's so dreamy. Yeah. So dreamy. It was so cold. It's cold. And I thought my arms are going to rip out of my socket. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good strength. Aylin loves it. She does it all the time. I'm so jealous. I'm a workaholic. I like working. You know, a lot of my artwork has to do with my therapy for the PTSD. I need mm-hmm. to do something soothing. I need to do something that takes away the um, panic or it takes away the squirrel cage in my head sometimes. So... I feel so fortunate to um, my parents. <laughs> they had me taught how to do macrame when I was five. 
Oh, I didn't know and that's where And then I did knot tying on okay. the boat. And wow. I have jewelry that I used to make with limpets and just tying necklaces. And so I was always doing something with my hands when wow. I was young. And and I, I mean, you know, weaving's not a formal, fibers wasn't really offered where I went to school. And then I didn't think of it when I was at RISD because I was more centered around painting and sculpture at that time. Mm-hmm. And then what did I have to do? Go date someone in the glass department. Oh my God. And then I ended up getting sucked into glass and I wasn't allowed to go back to painting afterwards. I had to stay in glass because it was, I just never thought there would be a medium that would keep challenging me. That would just make me obsessed with learning it so much. Yes. Uh, for years before I experienced glass, uh, every winter my hands would crack open and bleed. And a lot of it has to do with mental stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the first time I touched a glass pipe, it like, it like all stopped and went away. So I was like, huh, this is good. I like this. And then I, four years later, I still liked it. And then I moved to Seattle and I still liked it. And I, I just, sometimes I get annoyed because our wonderful community can be very smothering at some points. But yeah. now that I've like gone past my forties, I, I just have such reverence and appreciation for the glass community. And especially because as an artist that works with glass, we, I need to do it with a group of people. It doesn't, it's not a solo thing to do. So, um, I, I used to, uh, study costuming when I was in school to a certain extent. And I knew that I'm, I'm not good on stage, but I'm a good director. So I think that helps in the, in the hot shop in as hot well. Shop. What you're saying brings so much of your work together for me, that you did macrame and then the beautiful woven pieces that you do. And I want to come back to that. We need to do a quick little commercial break. And then I I have Mm -hmm. something to share with the listeners and a question for you, if that's okay, Kate. Oh, sounds great. Okay, perfect. For you, the listeners of All Things Therapy, Audible is offering you a free month subscription and audio book download. There are over 180,000 titles, like I said earlier, and you could take advantage of that offer by going to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. So Kate, I want our listeners to get a picture of, in case they aren't familiar with glass, that you are known for your Italian techniques of patterning with Kane and Marini. And it's like, thousands and thousands of pieces that once you you blow and then cut and fire polish that you start to assemble and to me just going through your work and the images it was like oh my gosh this is this is a nightmare because it's so tedious well but but for you it sounds like it's calming and it's therapy so can you talk to us some about your process i think uh i started working with the hexagonal tubes in 1999 but i I was weaving stuff together from the get-go as much <laughs> as much as I could get away with. I I think one of my first experiments was to uh, I loved amphoras when I was young, so that's a vessel shape and it's like Greek or Roman. It's got a pointy bottom and it comes up and then there's a shoulder and it comes in and there's a little neck and a little lip. I love and that. And they used also. to be used for carrying oils and wine and everything, right? Yes. And um, so I love those shapes. So I wove some out of copper wire and then coated it with glass, crushed glass and borax, and then shoved it into sand and fired it. And it was like, oh, like this automatic coral growing on something. So much fun. That is spectacular. <laughs> it was super great. Spectacular. And it was, it was sort of that combination that I could do that sort of hand dexterity work and and then combine the glass but um i don't i don't really remember when i i started just doing tubing uh round tubes and cut them up into beads and weaving them onto things and i would take fluorescent tubing and paint it cut it and fire it and weave it together there was this always this 
fascination with beehives. Uh, for a long time, I made houses, mm-hmm. uh, which had to do with transformation and protection layers, usually just one entrance, more of a protective thing. Oh, yeah. um, and then I worked from houses where, especially that blue one that you're talking about, Blue Dome. Yes. Um, that has all the just industrial plate glass enameled, uh, drilled, and then kind of woven together in a large scale. I also did a, a cape that was woven together, but more with um, uh, wax nylon, things like just progressions like that, that the weaving was always a part of it. And I think it has to do with that sort of homage to woman's work, at least. Mm. My grandmother taught me how to sew when I was young. I used to study how to sew costumes. So that sort of cloth or material-like construction I was comfortable with before I even started doing any sculpture. I think I fall back to that quite a bit when I'm thinking of a finished piece, that I love the the motion and the movement that could happen from cloth. And so I, I, uh, but you know, I've learned how to, to deal with metal and wood and, and other materials as well. But it's sort of, a lot of it comes back to that early education, I think. That makes a lot of sense to me, not knowing the background with your grandmother and just how soothing, how self-soothing that, that was for you. I see that in your work and it's a, it makes perfect sense how that, is what your forms and and such would be made around. Well, that's a new correlation for me as well to think that, I mean, I've worked in a theater when I was in uh, undergrad. My first undergrad was just a, um, you know, a a bachelor of the arts sort of degree. It wasn't a fine arts. And so I, I studied in the theater for a number of years and, you know, didn't feel comfortable on stage in front of people, but felt really comfortable behind the scenes, <laughs> you know, doing things. And uh, that's, that's kind of a connection, too. But I do love the hot shop, too. So having the time that I can be by myself and working and then time that I can be with my community and and uh, working is really great. You know, but um, go on and then I'll say. No, you go ahead. So you've spent a lot of time in in Italy, and I was curious if you're going to the conference in Murano, and and if you worked with Pino, who Pino Signoretto is a maestro that we lost. He passed away this week, and I was so saddened to hear that, and I just wanted to ask you about that aspect of your life in in Italy. I was really fortunate. um, The first few years I started working with glass uh, that – I did meet Pino Signoretto, and I, I've taken a few classes from him at Pilchuck, been around Pilchuck when he's there, yeah. been, been around uh, working for Karen or Billy when, when he also worked for William Morris, mm-hmm. and I'll just never forget one experience that I had in the 90s up at Pilchuck uh, during Christmas time, where everyone was kind of gone. Uh, Billy had hired Pino to make some work for him so that he could learn from Pino. And uh, Billy was gone, and it was just the girls. So it was uh, myself, uh, Karen Willenbrink, Aylin Christofferson, Allison Chisholm. And we worked with Pino, and we made a whole nativity scene. It was snowing at Pilchuck. It was, no one was there. It was so gorgeous. I'll never, ever forget it, and never, ever forget his generosity, his his kind and including spirit. He was always so nice to everybody. So um, and of course, you know, uh, as most other glass artists that I admire so much, uh, kind of, you know, nutty as a June bug, way, way maestro-like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, just a lovely human being. And I miss him. I miss him a lot. So sad that he died so young, yes. but happy that it was quick and, and painless. That's, yes. Will you be going to Italy for the conference in May? Uh, I wish I, w- I could, but I'm just... Uh, You're working on this project. That's I'm just passion. thinking it's going to be... I'm working on this project, and it's, it's due... Uh, it's going to be installed the end of April. So oh, it's, wow. it's three glass jellyfish 
they'll range in size from like nine feet long to ten and a half feet long. Uh, and I'm just uh, such a great project that I'm working on, but I'm a little bit nervous about the due date. I don't know if they're going to push it. Uh, as well as I have a, I'm a glass Olympian for Pilchuck next year. Oh, cool! I'll be I'll be working for four, three, three to five days up at Pilchuck. Uh, it's sort of during the time they used to do uh, centerpieces, which they don't do any longer. Yes, yes. But they have the Hallbergs up at Pilchuck, and they they have a lot of tours that come through at that time. So myself and Dante Marioni will be up using the hot shop at Pilchuck. Oh, cool. With our teams for like four or five days. It's going to be fantastic. And so great. And that's uh, right in the beginning of May. So I'm a little bit concerned about saving up for that and then popping off to Italy right after Um, as well. I don't, I'd rather go to Italy when, I mean, it'd be fun to go because it's going to be such a crazy scene is all I've got to say. I lived in Italy for about a year and I worked at uh, the Scuola di Vetro Abate Zanetti. So it's a school of glass, Abate Zanetti, Mm -hmm. which is um, very much uh, kind of a, a very Italian kind of place where most of the positions are political gifts and, and their vision for the school, there's so much potential, <laughs> yeah. but then so much, so much, um, so much, uh, just, you know, misdirection can happen as well. And just with the egos in, in Murano, right. it's going to be interesting is all I got to say. This and, will be my, my first yeah. trip. I feel like it's just a, like a going to Mecca trip for me I have not been and I've been a glass artist for about 21 years I still work with Gene Koss and I have a studio at Tulane and I make work every week that I cast or blow and assemble and so I just can't wait and I was so looking forward to see to seeing Maestro Pino Signoretto who I've met as well and he was so kind to me and but I know his spirit will be there forever and I just look forward to being steeped in the history and the experience of, of Murano and that tradition. I just want to soak it all up well, in a sponge. I think it's a good idea to go because it's disappearing. Right. I mean, it's just the way that natural resources and the EPA are working out in all these different countries. I just, you know, you've seen, I've seen it, you've seen it, more places closing around the world. It's uh more glasswork going to places that have factories like China and, and not the traditional, the traditions are disappearing, I mm. think. So you should go. It's going to be I am. an amazing I have my experience. ticket. I'm going. Yes. You know, and, and uh, yeah, I just, I just don't know if I can commit right, right with now so to much. it. So. But you know, going back to your project with the glass jellyfish sculptures, for the oh, yeah. Pacific Seas Aquarium in Tacoma. Just what a beautiful, as our coral you know, is dying and eroding, that you're able to make these structures. Just what a beautiful contribution, being who you are growing up as you did on a boat and your love for the ocean, that you are, you're the one selected for this. You're, you're the perfect person, Kate, for this commission. I feel so lucky. It's just the perfect setting for my work. Yeah, I've done one other one other piece of public art that was impermanent, uh, and that was super temporary instead of impermanent. I'll say temporary. So it was in place for four four months or so, and that was so wonderful. But to have my first permanent piece be in an aquarium made out of glass, I'm so excited. Yes, so, it's a coming it's, together. It's been a great of your life. A great experience. Yeah, to go down and spend time with uh, with a uh, Chad Widmer, who's the aka the Jelly Man, down at the uh, <laughs> Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium, where the new aquarium will be, because they have an older aquarium. They're just sort of replacing it. And um, I also feel very lucky. Uh, my work will be sort of near a, a tank that has a number of hammerhead sharks in it. Oh, cool. And I actually saw the sharks when I was in Hawaii last year before they were being, because they, they harvest them from this one bay on Oahu where there's an excess of hammerhead sharks. It's, okay. it's, 
sustainably harvest. They starve to death because there's too many of them in that lagoon. So it's okay if they take them out and and place them in aquariums. So yes. um, there's young pups and older. It's just it's there's so many aspects that are absolutely fascinating. And I've really been um, I'm interested in aquariums as a as a uh, a place to inspire people to care about the environment. So I think this is a really great opportunity. I have chosen to put my money back into Tacoma by working with uh, the local youth groups that work with Glass Hilltop artists. This deals with uh, kids from middle school all the way up to the age 20 that are local. And Hilltop artists help support the kids uh, this supports the glass making, of course, but if there's issues, you know, this is mostly public schools that these artists are from. If there's issues at home, it also helps to support the children and to help them be stable so they can keep studying and, and be successful at focusing, which is really great. That's really uh, Dale Shahuli really supports them a lot because he's from the area as well. Uh, I worked with them at their hot shop and also at the Museum of Glass because I wanted for them to be involved with making the parts. It's not that much of rocket science to make the parts. You know, it's just all the, the <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that, patience that yes, it takes patience. to process everything. Yes, in but, your process. Uh, so I had Chad come in and give a lecture to the kids about the project and what they're involved with. There, the Hilltop artist's name will be on the plaque of the piece once it's finished. Because I want to establish a connection between the community in Tacoma and this new facility so that people feel like they've contributed or they have a physical connection because they worked on it. And then as they grow up, they can still continue to have that connection and, you know, share that connection with their children or feel I'm very much in the beginning stages of this this attempt to see how I can influence art viewers. Can I, you know, which, which ways can you use to communicate ocean ecology? How can you inspire people? Does it have to be large scale? Do you, so working within the community and working with the community to make the art has been an interesting experience that I want to explore further. So I think it's a really great opportunity I'm very much in awe of uh, artists like April Surgent, who will go and spend months on research. Uh, she volunteers to uh, perform research for different reasons, but she's, she's gone to Hawaii and volunteered for the Monkfield program there as uh, someone who tags tags the animal or records information for months on in isolated spots with wow. with scientific researchers who spent time in Antarctica. Like the way that she shows her connection to nature is is uh, different per se, but there's there's always that it's that connection between science and art and and life and and uh, spirituality. That's very interesting for me. And going forward with the challenges that we have with so many people in the world, how can I, as a community member of Seattle, you know, work on maybe a project with our aquarium, which is going to have a new building or a few new buildings coming up in the next 10 years? Like, what kind of project can I work on with them, if possible, to um, include the community here in Seattle and make a connection there? There's it just seems like an interesting problem. And I love problems. I love mathematics. I mean, I'm dyslexic, but to me, the Marini and my weaving with the hexagonal tubes with those beads that are hexagonal shaped, hollow Marini, as I'd like to call it. Right. A lot of that's just sort of trying to get, it's like architecture, but it's small scale. So just trying to get these organic parts to connect to each other in a way that will depict whatever I want it to. So, Kate, so it's, I'm, it's I'm all gonna, like a formula or a problem. 
I'm going to jump in because we're actually at the end of our show. I do want to ask you one last thing, if you can maybe take a minute to answer, um, and then we will be concluding. What is important for you to leave and be known for as, as a legacy or just a value? And I feel like you've been answering it the whole show, but just a last piece that you can leave us before we conclude. Um, I think perhaps it's integrity to a certain extent, integrity with the work that I'm honestly trying to explore new things and express new things with my work. It's not always going to look the same, but that each piece should be beautiful for itself, but also each piece should bring a little bit of nature inside to be with you and remind you of your connection to nature. I love that. That's beautiful. I guess that's, it's kind of simple, but, but also complex with glass these days, things are changing a lot. And as I said before, the traditions of glass, I'm so lucky to be exposed to amazing artists that work with Kane and Marini, like Lino Talpietra, Dick Marquis, people that are so inspirational yeah. and their work is so gorgeous. Um, and I would say for everybody out there as, that you should always try to put yourself in your work so there's this original spark always to always you know you can take inspiration from other people but always put yourself in there too because it will make it your own and unique and I just love being original I want for my solutions to be unique and ones that other people haven't done before and I, I don't know exactly why but yeah well, Kate, I found yeah. inspiration in you as a woman in glass, and I'm grateful to know you, and I want to thank you for coming on the show today to share your work with our listening audience. Lisa, thank you so much for this opportunity, and I think that you and I have both were so fortunate to spend time at Pelchock back yes. at a time when it was oh, special. Uh, maybe it was my age, but it was just super dreamy it and was. so positive and so uplifting at that time point. Uh, you know, maybe a little sexist, but what isn't <laughs> right. in our country? But it was a real special time. And thank you for this opportunity. You were so welcome. And I look forward to staying in touch. So have a wonderful day. Thanks so much. You're you welcome. too. Feel Thanks. better. I right? will. You heal up too. Okay. Bye-bye. That concludes our show for today. Join me next week for another episode. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Thank you. You're listening to All Things Therapy.